Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, the Edwardsville Warrior Tree Project, it's World Polio Day, and October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. We're going to meet Amanda Jaworski. She wrote a book on her experience and the title, A Different Ending. We're also going to start off with Sarah Doggart. She's the education manager at Women's Resource Center and says that the violence does not stop during the pandemic. COVID has probably played a major part in anything that you have planned. Are you able to work all around that and still get the message out? Yeah, we've been working really hard on making sure we can still provide our services. Obviously, that looks a little bit different right now. The Women's Resource Center provides services for female and male victims of domestic violence, dating violence, stalking in Lackawanna and Susquehanna counties. And our services include a free confidential 24-hour hotline, counseling services, emergency and safe housing, legal services, and community education and advocacy. And all of our services are available in English and Spanish. And we can, um, usually if someone speaks another language than those two, we can help find a way to get them the services that we need. Also, the uh, all of our services are available not just to victims and survivors, but to their significant others. So their um, family, friends, loved ones who support them and could use some support themselves. With the pandemic going on, our services are considered essential services. So we've been open and running this whole time, um, mostly through our hotline, um, because we do want to keep people safe, both on our staff and those coming in to use our services. So we've been doing most things over the phone, but we are still working with um, lots of people. And our education and prevention programs, um, we've been working hard all summer, um, kind of getting ready to be able to provide our services, especially those that we do in schools, um, to be able to provide them virtually. You mentioned the hotline number. Can you give that mm-hmm. for us a couple of times? Sure. Um, Our hotline number is, our toll-free hotline number is 800-257-5765. We also have numbers specific to Lackawanna County and Susquehanna County. Our Lackawanna number is 570-346-4671. In Susquehanna County, 570-278-4700. 
1-800-285-1800. But no matter what number people call, we will get them connected to the right place and help serve them. Of course, if someone is in an emergency and they are, they're in a dangerous situation, they should call 911. What about your website? And I, mm-hmm. from, from what I understand, it has a rather unique feature so that someone who may be using it and gets interrupted, well, you explain. Our website is wrcnepa.org. And the unique feature I believe that you're talking about is we have an emergency escape button right on there. And so if someone is looking at our website um, to get the hotline number or to find out what kind of services that we have, someone, you know, who they want to keep that information private from, whether it's just because they, you know, they're at work or maybe it's because their abuser has walked into the room, they can press the emergency escape button and it will take them right out of that website. I thought that was fascinating when I heard about it. And I thought, wow, who would ever think that you would need something like that? But then when you describe especially the reason of having someone who could cause you harm in the room with you and immediately ask, because that seems to be that seems to be one of the the classic signs is the idea of control. Is that true, Sarah? Mm -hmm. It is. I mean, that's that right at the root of all um, interpersonal and intimate personal violence is um, control and power. And so wanting to have that control and power over someone else, um, controlling the way they think, the way they act, the way they dress and behave. Um, and so, yeah, oftentimes looking at people's computers or phones and finding you know, trying to find almost something to blame or pin on them is is often a way that someone uses to keep control over someone. How do you get this kind of a message across to younger women? One in four women and one in seven men will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. So we know that um, this is a very prevalent issue. And for um, oftentimes it starts in the teenage years um, that people start to experience dating violence. Um, We offer a program, it's a prevention program, so it doesn't just raise awareness around issues, but we're really looking to give students skills and resources that they can use um, going forward in their life. Um, So it's not just about, oh, okay, now I know what the definition of dating violence is, but here's some skills that I can use to identify this, to look for red flags to help a friend who might either be um, potentially a victim or might potentially be a perpetrator. And so we give them these skills so that they can stay safe and healthy in their lives. We also give them and work with them on developing healthy relationships. It's interesting because when we ask, um, you know, young people or even adults to think about healthy relationships in their lives and to think about what they look for in a relationship, Um, how they want to be in a relationship and how they also want to be treated in a relationship. And we find that, you know, a lot of people never really think about that. They never really think about what is it that I um, want out of a relationship and how do I make sure that that I can get that and can be healthy. So we talk with students about what healthy relationships look like and what unhealthy relationships look like. Not all unhealthy relationships are abusive, but when there becomes a pattern of control and coercion and that behavior, certain behaviors are done specifically to sort of maintain that control over someone 
in a pattern, then it does move towards abusive. Certain behaviors are, you know, I would consider always abusive, maybe um, physical violence um, or sexual violence. Um, but there's many types of violence. There's emotional, psychological, financial, in addition to what I think most people commonly think of, which is physical violence. There's lots of ways that this can manifest in someone's life. And we think about domestic violence and we think of it being toward women. But that's not always the case, is it? That's right. Anyone, unfortunately, anyone can experience domestic violence. Um, One in four women and one in seven men will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. And perpetrators can be men or women as well. Do you think that if someone is in a unique kind of a situation where it's not the stereotypical, this is the way we would look at it, that sometimes they are a little bit less to take the opportunity to come forward? There is a lot of stigma around domestic violence. Um, There's many reasons why men and women don't come forward, um, no matter who the abuser is fear, threats, uh, being dependent upon someone. There's also love. Um, sometimes, you know, and someone really loves the person who's abusing them because maybe most of the time they treat them well, but then they have these moments and it's not safe. But, you know, if you've been with a partner for many years, um, that love is, is there. Um, for people who uh, perhaps the uh, Abuser is, uh, you know, not generally what we would think of. I think most people think of a woman being abused by a man. I think stereotypes often we think of sort of a weak uh, woman and a very strong man as the abuser. And that's not always the case. This can happen to anyone because it is a a bit of a mind game. Um, It really can happen to anyone. This behavior kind of builds up over time. And so, you know, if someone was abusive the first time you met them, you probably wouldn't interact with them again, right? But um, someone comes across as very wonderful, and then it abusive behavior builds over time. If someone is listening, or maybe they've already had the thought in their mind that something like this could be happening to whether mm-hmm. it's themselves or someone else, what should they do? Sure. Well, safety is always the main priority. And so people can always call our hotline, even if someone just has a question like, um, you know, I see my friend in this relationship and I'm concerned about her or him. So I'm really not sure what to do. They can call our hotline and we can um, help them think through some options that they might have. If someone is concerned that they are in an abusive relationship, that they recognize some of the red flags Um, that are out there. They can also call our hotline when they're in a safe space. Additionally, you know, people can think about what safety means to them. And so, um, you know, things get complicated when people have children or pets um, or are dependent upon someone for care in some way. And so there are a lot of subtle layers to thinking about safety, Um, but safety should always be the number one priority. Additionally, We work from an empowerment model. So what that means is that everyone is the expert in their own life. You know what is best for you in a situation. You know what will keep you safe or what will make you happy or 
Um, and so our job is not to tell people this is what you need to do and this is what's happening to you, but to support people and provide them with resources and help them think through some of their options um, and help them feel empowered to make decisions for themselves. Because domestic and dating violence involve having your control taken away, we want to give that control and power back to survivors. What do you say to someone who says, why don't you just leave? It's a question that comes up all the time and sort of embedded in that question is some victim blaming that people stay in these situations. It can't really be that bad if they're staying in it, but that's that's just not true. Um, When people ask, why doesn't someone just leave? You know, there's, there's two really important things I'd like to, to say about that. One is, you know, I would turn that question around to why is someone abusing? <laughs> um, you know, we put all of the onus of, on the victim. Why don't they leave? What are they doing to, you know, sort of provoke this when we know that it's not their fault? Um, we know that it's an abuser needing to have that power and control. And so, um, you know, really that's the question we should be asking. Why are they abusing someone? But there are many reasons why people stay in these kinds of relationships. Um, again, love, fear, uh, financial dependency. You know, some people depend upon someone for medical care. Um, if you have children that add, you know, a different layer, this is their, you know, parent or a guardian or someone potentially important in a child's life as well. Also, you know, there's a very real threat to people sometimes when they um, make a decision to leave or change their relationship. That's really the most dangerous time for a victim um, is when they choose to, when they share with uh, their partner that they're going to be leaving the relationship because that, uh, you know, the abuser sees that as a threat to their power and they are losing control over that person. And so when they say they're going to leave, that's really the most dangerous time for them. So there is a very real fear that exists. And if someone were to tell you that they were afraid uh, for their life or for their children's lives because they were going to leave, um, believe them because they know what they're talking about. Um, And they can call our hotline and we will try to help them be safe. Give us that number again. Sure. Um, The hotline number is 800-257-5765. All right, Sarah, the next question. And again, I know it's probably not fair to do this to you, but I am because there are people out there who are listening and saying, well, then why do these people continue to go back? Again, there's many reasons why someone might go back. Um, we, not just, um, reasons, uh, very practical reasons, like that's their home. Um, maybe that, uh, they have pets who are still in their home and they, you know, you know, pets are part of a family. Sometimes, uh, the abuser will, you know, apologize and say, I'll never do this again. And I'm really sorry. And then they, um, act really wonderfully for a while um, and then someone will go back for that reason. Um, so there's emotional reasons. There's very practical reasons why someone might go back. Um, and then again, you know, they may be threatened that if they don't come back, something, you know, bad will happen. So 
there's there's many reasons. Um, I would just encourage compassion, empathy, understanding when hearing stories in the news about domestic violence or um, hearing stories from family or friends that they may be in or that they may just be telling you a story about, just to have compassion um, and empathy for people and and to understand that, um, you know, when someone is in that situation, they really are doing their best to survive. And I'm glad that I did ask you those questions because I think that's sometimes what people forget is that it's very easy to make a judgment when you're not in the situation. The Women's Resource Center is a wonderful place to turn because sometimes when you think about those things, you think that you're absolutely positively alone because the other side of that is, I don't want to tell anyone. Yeah. And, you know, I would just encourage people that you're never alone. Um, You know, one tactic that um, abusers often use is, is to isolate people, um, keep them from their family and friends. Um, and you know, that can build over time, um, to the point that someone really is dependent upon that person for, for social interaction. Um, but I want you to know that you're never alone. The Women's Resource Center is always here for you, um, 24 hours a day, um, to, to just talk, um, and, and you're never actually alone. Anything, Sarah, that you'd like to make sure that you mention here? Two things. Um, one is I just wanted to talk a second. Um, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and it's just a time, an opportunity to raise awareness on how to recognize domestic violence, support survivors, and what we can all do collectively to prevent it, because it is preventable. One way to show support for Domestic Violence Awareness Month is to wear purple on Thursday, October 22nd. This is a national day of recognizing domestic violence as an issue in our communities. Um, And if anyone would like to participate in that, they can take a photo and tag the Women's Resource Center um, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Our um, handles are W-R-C-N-E-P-A and then we also have a team specific page, which is Teen WRC. And our social media pages are a great way to stay up to date on events and new programming, um, as well as to educate yourself and raise awareness on issues of dating and domestic violence. And let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. People can contact the Women's Resource Center on our website, which is WRCNEPA.org. Our website is wrcnepa.org. Our toll-free hotline, which is 24 hours and confidential, is 1-800-257-5765. And again, that number is available to anyone who needs support around these issues, whether you're a victim um, or a survivor, whether this has happened to you recently or whether this happened to you many years ago. Um, People still sometimes need support and help, and the effects of domestic violence are long-lasting. So we're here for you, Um, men, women, any adolescents, um, we're here for you as well. Um, Our social media is WRCNEPA or Teen WRC. Amanda Jaworski's book is based on her experience as a young teen. Why did she choose the title A Different Ending? Well, I went through numerous titles 
believe it or not, as I was writing the book, and it seemed writing the whole entire book was easy. Coming up with the title was, it took me weeks. <laughs> and when I finally wrote the last page of the book, I was like, a different ending is perfect because out of all the experiences, I learned that I'm in control of my ending. And of course, that there's a lot of different things that compile into how we decide to live our life and things that affect us. But ultimately, with the support that I had, it just sounded perfect. And it goes along with the story and the meaning and the things that the young woman went through. Can you give us a little bit of your story? So I was a teen mom. I had my daughter. I got pregnant at eight or 17, and I had my daughter when I was 18. I was in a relationship as a teenager, which we should listen to our mothers. Probably not the best idea, but um, I was with somebody who I trusted, who I was friends with, who I made a relationship with, and it seemed over the years I didn't really know him like I thought I did, even though we had a 10-year friendship behind us. Um, I think when you're so young and you have the responsibility of an infant and learning how to manage bills and a house and just as an adult period, I think the stress just kind of accumulated on us. And he had different like um, mental illnesses, nothing too severe, but it seemed the worst of anything was the control. And that turned into arguments, and it turned into verbal abuse, and it escalated into even bigger fights a lot of the time. That ended out to be a little scary in the end. So you were able to take and draw from your own experience in order to write this book. How close is it to your experience? Um, What the woman went through as far as the abuse, from the relationship is very close and the aftermath of leaving the relationship is similar. The ending is fictional. What I did was I took from my experiences and I created a story on it. Can you give us a little bit of the book? I I mean, tell us about the characters and who's involved. Eliza is your 19 year old girl. She's the main character of the book and she lives with her boyfriend named Tyler. And like I said, same thing, growing up, growing up, they were friends and they started dating. However, she realized that he was abusive and this wasn't the right kind of relationship to be in because it could be dangerous. So not long after, Eliza kind of reached out to a friend that she was comfortable with and he helped her leave this relationship because most times, like in real life, the main character, Eliza, had these fights and the the abuse from her family. So she didn't really feel like she had much support. However, as she was trying to move, she was still being harassed and abused by her ex. So in the end, she was able to get away from him. And without trying to give the whole story, it seems that Tyler was at a standstill and did what he thought was best for his ending. So what made you sit down and basically relive that part of your life and then put it to paper where you would be places like this and talking about it? I feel like as I grew up, I've seen how much abuse 
and things that women and men go through. I mean, one out of every four women are abused in a relationship and one out of nine men are abused in a relationship. And that's scary numbers. That's concerning. That's troubling. Mm -hmm. So when I started writing this book, I actually didn't plan on writing about this, but I've always written my entire life. And I just sat down and I was like, through everything I went through as a child and a teenager and now as an adult, I have that information and I have that reasoning. And the best thing that I know how to write about would be this young woman going through this abusive relationship because those are the kind of feelings that you don't forget. As good as my life is and as blessed as I am now, it's still feelings that resonate with you and that you wholeheartedly can grasp and feel. They're not that hard to write about because it's such it's such a permanent experience that lives within you. When you sat down to write about this, I guess we should let our listeners know that you're actually here in northeastern Pennsylvania. Yes, I'm actually living in Scranton. So does that mean that uh, there are places that maybe you mentioned in, in, in your book that people would be able to relate to that would be able to say, oh, yeah, I drive past there every day. Well, I actually didn't use too much of the Scranton setting in the book because I didn't want to make it too personal. I didn't want to make it too much about me. I wanted to make it about this character and her experience and what she was going through. So unfortunately, in the book, there's not too many different things. The city's a different setting, so it's not really named after Scranton. I wanted to make it her story. And when you were making it her story... Who did you hope would find your your book? Honestly, I just, I didn't really hope for anybody. I just hoped a reader who could relate and understand or maybe use this as hope would find it. I didn't really think that within the few weeks that it was published that it would be as popular as it is. And I'd have a TV interview and this with it. This is not what I expected so quickly. So now that you've you've achieved that and the book has now taken on and, and people have been able to find out about it, and now who are you hoping that uh, would be hearing this interview or see your TV interview and say, I'd like to be able to get a copy of that, and where would they? So as far as who I would want to hear it, I would want any avid reader any family member who knows somebody going through domestic abuse or just anybody dealing with it or who has dealt with it. Because when you're dealing with something like that, you keep it silent and it's nice to feel that you're understood and that you could find hope and that you are worthy of a different ending. And this book is actually carried at the Albright Memorial Library located in downtown Scranton. You can find it in their catalog. I have it on Amazon Kindle, which you could just type the title in and by name, and it will come right up. And also, this week, it'll be sold at Library Express, which is located in the Marketplace of Steamtown, the former Steamtown Mall that's located in downtown Scranton also. Well, you certainly sound like you've been on your on your way, and you use something of yourself that I think maybe has given you, because you can speak to it so well. Do you have any more? that you think might either go away from this particular topic or maybe stay with this topic in the, in the near future. Can you give us a, a little bit of a sneak peek? 
Um, I was told by a lot of readers and taking their feedback that they want me to kind of make a sequel from this. So I am considering it. However, since this book went like over so well, and as a mother of a daughter and a son, I do want to write other fictionals, but I do want to write them on relatable topics like on teenage pregnancy or just different things like that. I think it can really be life touching and life changing. Well, again, when you have something that you can draw from, from within yourself, I think that gives uh, anything a more personalized and a more, uh, I I guess, uh, emotional tie that you would have with your, with your, your readers. So that's, it's, it sounds wonderful. What do your kids think about all this? Well, I have a nine-year-old daughter and she loves to write too. She'll be typing on the keyboard and writing and drawing on paper, stapling them. So she thinks this is awesome. My five-year-old son, he understands I wrote a book, but I don't think I'm as cool to him yet as I am to her. So like, I'm hoping now that he's learning to read, he'll be like, oh, okay. But right now, I'm pretty cool to the nine-year-old about it, but the five-year-old, he's just doing his own thing. Well, I think with the five-year-old, you have to incorporate some of your characters as superheroes or... Uh... Oh, absolutely. I mean, mom's still cool, but mom's not that cool yet. <laughs> Amanda, give us the title once again, where you can get the book, and we give you all our congratulations and continued success. Thank you so much. The title of this book is called A Different Ending. You could find it on Amazon. You could find it in the Albright Memorial Library if you have a library card and in their catalog. It'll be sold at Library Express, which is located in the Marketplace at Steamtown. Next on Special Edition, World Polio Day. Next on Special Edition, Karen DiMatteo, immediate past district governor for Rotary District 7410 on World Polio Day. Karen Explain to us exactly what or who Rotary is. That is a great question. Rotary is a um, worldwide organization made up of men and women. used to be basically business people, but that's not the case anymore. Anyone can be a Rotarian um, from your stay-at-home mom to your corporate executive. Anybody that wants to be involved with giving back to their community and we, as we know these days, our community doesn't just mean our backyard. It also means um, around the world. So we raise money to do good in our, uh, in our backyards and in the world. Rotary has been around for quite a while, hasn't it? Uh, 115 years. Wow. Yes. And I can guess you were not at the first meeting. Um, I missed that one that day. Um, I did have to pay a fine for not being there. But in retrospect, it was probably worth. In in that time, though, as you mentioned, that there have been some changes. What would you say some of the biggest changes are? Well, it's been over 30 years at this point that women have been allowed in Rotary. It's hard to imagine there was a time when that was the case. There were no women in Rotary. But since the late 80s, uh, that has changed. So that's definitely one of the biggest things. And um, I would say really the other is that where it used to be pretty much a businessman's, you know, business owner, um, management type were the um, majority of Rotarians, not so much these days. I 
don't work for anybody. I work for myself. I'm a stay-at-home mom with stay-at-home businesses, and I've been a Rotarian for 11 years. Um, we have a lot of educators, retired educators. Uh, anybody can be a Rotarian. And we'll ask you in just a few moments how they can go about being a Rotarian. But first, one of the things that is this weekend is World Polio Day. And when we talk about many things that have changed in Rotary, this is one area that hasn't. Since um, the late 80s, Rotary has been uh, involved with the eradication efforts to end polio around the world. We actually took this on as a a small project originally just to rid polio from the Philippines. And then the uh, powers that be decided, well, we can do that. We can eradicate the world. So they took that project on and it's been, it's been over 30 years, but uh, we're down to just two countries where polio is still endemic. That's Pakistan and Afghanistan at this point. So on the 24th of October is, it's actually World Polio Day. It's, it's um, not just about Rotary, it's about all the other organizations. And it's about raising awareness as well as raising funds that, hey, polio still exists and we need to make that not so. Looking at it from the 2020 perspective, it must be an added effort in order to do all that because now so many people are concerned about coronavirus. It's, an, uh, it's a very interesting question, and I actually just came from my Rotary meeting uh, before getting on this call, and that was exactly uh, the topic of our presentation today, uh, was the similarities between the two. Uh, both are caused by a virus. Um, when the coronavirus hit, all of our efforts had to stop because we do continually immunize children in uh Um, the countries that are still at risk, not just Pakistan and Afghanistan, but other countries where the virus could easily come back until it's completely eradicated. Uh, But what has been happening is the structure that Rotary has in place, along with our partners, the WHO, the CDC, UNICEF, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the structure that we have in place in many countries they they turned the uh, tide a little bit and started using that for um, COVID-19 outreach. So in certain places, instead of going door to door after a certain time to give the vaccine for polio, they were educating people in other countries about hand washing and, you know, proper distancing so that, you know, people who don't have access to media, hard to believe that there are places where that's still true, are the people that would normally be working on vaccination efforts, turn that around and were able to um, do some help with with the COVID-19. So um, working kind of hand in hand and, and our efforts have have started up again, um, just using more safety precautions. So we are back to vaccinating children. And when there is a vaccine for COVID, I'm sure that Rotary and, again, the GPEI, all those organizations that I mentioned, will work together in, again, utilizing our network 
to get the uh, vaccine for COVID out there as well. Because there are a lot of other similarities. You have something that way back when, which 2020 will be way back when at some point in time, people didn't know what they were dealing with with polio. So what are you doing with the with World Polio Day and your ongoing efforts? We are always trying to educate the public here in the U.S., Polio has been gone since the late 70s here in the United States and actually all of of uh, um, our hemisphere. But India has only been polio-free for seven years. Um, Africa was just declared polio-free two months ago, the entire um, continent. As I said, Pakistan, Afghanistan um, is where it's still endemic. So, yes, what we try to do on World Polio Day is to... Uh, get the word out to make sure we're we're letting our communities know, hey, polio still exists. Um, we're still raising money because it's still going to take a lot of money to continue the efforts. And it truly is just a plane ride away from coming back. And it's so easy now for people to understand that because of COVID-19, because of what we saw happen back in January, February, March, and April, where, oh, this is a going on on the other side of the world. It'll never get here. And then it was here. And, and now it's everywhere. If we don't continue this project where uh, we vaccinate every child under the age of five um, and continue until polio is gone, especially here in the U.S., because there are so many people who don't vaccinate their children for whatever their reasons. And I don't agree with it, but they have their reasons. But you have an unvaccinated child here and, an, un, and a child who might have contracted it, not knowing in another country travels here. They can bring it here. They can bring it right back here. That's why we need to continually educate our um people here in the United States and then continue with our efforts worldwide. And how does one become a Rotarian? And there is an easy answer to that as well. Uh, We have Rotary clubs in just about every town, but in Northeastern PA, we have 42 clubs in in our district, in our area, and we have a website. It's um, district7410.org. Uh, or anybody can just go to rotary.org, which is the um, international site, and just say, I'm searching for a club. I'm interested in learning more about Rotary. And that will filter down into the club that's club or clubs that are closest to their uh, where they live. We also have fabulous online. Well, right now, almost everybody's online. We're all, most of us are meeting by Zoom. But we have clubs that um, it doesn't matter where you live because they meet online on a regular basis. So you could be a part of a club in Australia if you wanted to. One of the things we're going to do is we're going to have you back because as a Rotarian, you had an opportunity to do a little bit of travel to see exactly what was going on and where did you go? I traveled to India back in January. And that must have been quite an experience. It truly was. It truly was. Just to see um, not only the country and the dichotomy of, of you know, the classes and the, um, you know, the splendor and the beauty next to the ugly and the dirty and um, the massive amount of people. Uh, and then to end it with actually um, taking part in a national immunization effort 
to give the polio vaccine to children. So it was it was quite an experience. Thank you, Karen. And we're looking forward to you joining us again on Special Edition. Don't go away. The Edwardsville Warrior Tree Project is next. Welcome back to Special Edition. Oh, what wonderful things moms can do. Karen DeClette is one of those involved with the Edwardsville Warrior Tree Project, and it's their seventh year honoring veterans. I started this thing in 2014. My son was in the Marine Corps. Uh, He joined in 2012, and uh, there were a few Christmases he was able to come home for Christmas, and other Christmases he couldn't come home, and neither could his brothers. So... I made a Christmas tree at home honoring those who couldn't come home for the holidays just from his unit and his and his basic training and everything. And uh, it became a big hit online because uh, I posted pictures online to play the tag your Marines because uh, he'd be home for Christmas. It became a huge hit. And before I knew it, the Marines I, I had on the tree were contacted me, asking me to add their brothers and asking me to add you know, other members and other branches. So I, I suddenly I started having sailors and airmen and, and soldiers and, and Marines all on this little three foot tree. And in your house, I made a comment. Yeah, at my house, <laughs> at my house, I had over 300 names on a three foot tree. And I made a comment on Facebook. I said, Mama needs a bigger tree. And uh, someone told me they suggested, why don't you go down to uh, Edwardsville City Council and see what you can do. And the rest is history. Now I, I got a bigger tree. 300 names just in that time span. You did it. And it now it's yes, its I seventh did. year. Seventh year of it being out there that we've been lighting up the tree every year, decorating it, having a veteran from the audience light the tree. We always surprise someone. It's about them. It's not about me. It's about our veterans and our service members who can't always make it home for the holidays. And that's what this tree is about, what it represents. It still (laughs) takes mom to get everything together. I I guess I put it together, yes, but it's not my tree. It's their tree. I never served, so. Well, I thank you for your service because this is quite the project. Now, when is this event? And it's a little bit different this year. We usually have it a whole weekend. Uh, But this year, because of the pandemic, we're going to do it all in one day. We're doing it on Sunday, November 22nd from 12 till 3 o'clock. Masks will be required. We'll have hand sanitizer stations and uh, we'll be practicing social distancing at the event. So that's how we're going to do it this year. It's going to be a little bit smaller, I think, than usual, but it kind of has to be because because of COVID. Where is it? Uh, This is in Edwardsville, Pennsylvania. It's at Veterans Park right on Main Street here. It's on the corner of Main and, and Church Street. See our tree right in the center of the park. The Black Diamond American Legion. You're going to have we Santa. Do. You're going. What else? Give right. us the rundown. Well, we have we have uh, Black Diamond American Legion. They're going to be doing. Um, we're, they're going to raise the flag for us and and uh, do the Pledge of Allegiance and everything. Then we have we have American Legion Post Six Five Five in Larksville. They're coming and they're going to be doing the Honor Guard. They're going to be doing the Twenty One Gun Salute, playing taps. The recruiters that come down from Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. One lucky recruiter, we don't know who yet this year, is going to play Sergeant Santa for us, like he always does. We're hoping that we still get a fire truck for him to arrive in. If we have a parade this year, uh, it's going to be a, just a small parade. We're just following what the Veterans Day, the Wyoming Valley Veterans Day Parade is doing. You are having a guest speaker. theme this year is uh, coronavirus and the military, how it affects the military these days. 
um, from care packages to whether or not they can deploy to certain countries, if it's making their deployments longer, however it affects our, our men and women overseas. He is uh, Lucius Washington, the commander of AMVET 459. He's going to be our guest speaker this year. Well, that's a very appropriate topic, uh, as you said, even as far as care packages, because with mm-hmm. the holidays, that's what mm-hmm. people are waiting for. We're going to be looking further into it um, so that we are better informed, so that we can let everyone know at the at the lighting ceremony itself. This is about all of our all of our local heroes. You know, on the warrior tree, on the Edwardsville warrior tree, we don't actually have names on on the stars. Instead, what we do is there's 400 stars on the tree approximately that were all painted by State Street School students, uh, elementary uh, grades uh, three to five. They're they're tearjerkers. Some of them they'll have uh, flags and we love soldiers and thank you for your service and USA. God bless America on these stars. Uh, one had one had veteran misspelled. It was so cute. But uh, on one side of the stars, what the children painted, and on the back of the stars, we have solid colors. We have uh, red, white, blue, gold, or black. And each one, instead of representing a, a certain particular person, it represents whether they are retired or reserves. That would be the red stars, or whether they're vet. Uh, they just did their four years and got out. They're veterans. Um, the white stars represent uh, those who are wounded in action. The blue stars represent service stars. Represent those who are deployed in combat or overseas or active duty. And those are gold stars. They represent um, those who were killed in action. And black stars represent our POWs and MIAs. That just gives me chills. A lot of thought went into this tree. And that's a, we, we really want it to be as close because we're not military ourselves, the moms who run this tree. But we, we asked a few veterans, is this appropriate to have these colors? They, they, they love the idea. They said it was perfect. That's how it is. And we just love the idea. It seems to work. Oh. All branches are represented and all levels of service are also represented. Who makes up your committee? Um, that would be a bunch of us Marine moms. <laughs> Mary Harkin Reader, she's my vice president. Then I have Rachel Holsizer, she's our treasurer and co-founder. And I have Diane Kalman, she's another local Marine mom. She does a lot of the community work for us. Go ahead. My husband, who's our maintenance man, basically, <laughs> he does all the heavy lifting that needs to be done. What's his name? My husband's name is Seferino Ziflet. <laughs> we call him Seth for short. Yeah. And yeah. you say you yeah. do other things. What other things are you involved with aside from the uh, Edwardsville Warrior Tree? Well, we'll do a little bit of fundraising on the side. We'll have a dart tournament uh, once a year which had to be canceled this year, by the way, because of COVID. So fundraising, we'll have a basket raffle or 50-50 raffles uh, at the events that we have. All that money that we collect there, we then turn it around and donate it out to veteran, local veteran charities or veteran charities that we're aware of that do great work. We went shopping, actually, for for AMVET Post 5-9, the commander, Lucius Washington, he does a lot of work with homeless veterans, collecting clothing and winter blankets and everything. We just had a blanket drive back in January this year. It was a huge success. So we actually don't have to do a blanket drive again this year so far because he's still handing out blankets that 
that we got from January. That's great. He, he has a basement full over at Amvet. We were just there the other day, and it's emptying pretty quickly now that the weather's starting to turn. They are looking for hygiene items right now. Soap, toothpaste, toothbrushes, deodorants, things of that nature that they want to donate. They can get in touch with Amvet Post 59 in, in Hanover Township. Anything um, else that you have that you're involved with? We're always looking for new things that we can do, new places we can donate to. We, we looked up, we found Valor Clinic. They're actually out in the Stroudsburg area, but they do great things for veterans, among a few other things that they do for our veterans. It's a really good program. If anyone wants to Google that, they can look it up and they'll know exactly where the money is going that they're donating. Trying to become our own nonprofit agency very cumbersome, but we're trying. Uh, give us again the rundown, the Edwardsville Warrior Tree Project. The Edwardsville Warrior Tree Project, we're having decorating day and lighting ceremony both on the same day. We're going to start decorating the tree November 22nd. Uh, that's a Sunday. We're going to start decorating the tree at 12. Then around 2 o'clock, Sergeant Santa will be arriving. And then at 2.15 or so, we'll be having uh, Black Diamond American Legion and uh, Post 395 and American Legion Post 655 uh, doing our military honors for us. Then about 3 o'clock, we'll be ending by having a, a veteran in the audience light the tree for us. And if anybody would like to attend? Yes, they can. We're, we'll be uh, Masks will be required, and uh, we'll be practicing social distancing, and we will also have hand sanitizing stations for anyone who wants to come. Karen, you're awesome. And Thank so are the rest so of the moms. Absolutely. Oh, yes, they are. They're, they're, I couldn't do it without their help. I really couldn't. I, I never served myself, but I, I think my role is best uh, in supporting them. And that's what I hope I'm doing. I hope I'm doing it the proper way. I'm Paula Dagnan, Special Edition, a production of Intercom Communications. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.